back. It's the whole I'm saying. Okay, sorry. Hi, everyone. We're back. It's the Chemist Confessions podcast, a human conversation about all things skin science. Yep. And I'm Victoria. I'm Gloria. And what's today's topic about, Gloria? Ooh, so uh, it took us or took me a long time to get here, but I realized that we haven't talked about cleansers in a really long time. So today we are going to be look at anything out there on cleanser science. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type? What kind of cleanser should you be looking for mm-hmm. per skin type? Yeah, but first things first, Gloria, what are we drinking today? Oh, I don't know. Actually, the question is more for you, Victoria. <laughs> so um, for those of you new to the podcast, we regularly have beer, and if we don't have beer, we have homemade cocktail brews that's a <laughs> creative blend. <laughs> yeah, uh, so today uh, we are looking at just a Japanese whiskey with a splash of ginger beer and seltzer because it's summer. Cheers. Cheers. You should mix that. Uh, I should. Cheers, everyone. Now everyone must listen to the ASMR of ice. Yes. Which I feel like is a faux pas podcast. <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it. Let's start with some brand updates. We have some really exciting news. Um, our Chemist Confessions team has grown to three. Oh, shedding your tear. Yes, this is a huge moment for us. Uh, we have finally, I'm sure all of you felt that way, uh, gotten some marketing help. <laughs> um, yes, so welcome to the team, Ava. You'll see her here and there on social media. Mm. You'll hear her very very soothing boy sometimes as well she's going to be our marketing assistant and has already been doing a great job yeah so if you have been seeing that hey chemist confession seems to be on a tiktok trend lately yeah that's her that's yeah not us. yeah we're not good at that <laughs> <laughs> cool say hi ava hi ava <laughs> <laughs> welcome awesome. to the team yay <laughs> cool um all right, so we've got that going on, so really exciting there. Another really interesting piece of news. Last episode, we definitely made a comment about how things are finally all in stock. And L-O-L. now today, we have a new update for you guys. If you guys have not noticed, Blank Slate is not in stock, but we do have, we are definitely working towards that restock very soon. Um, the goal will be august yes so we are recording this episode on july 7th mm-hmm. um by the time this episode comes out we should be very 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 close to the blank slate coming back in Heck stock yeah. um if you haven't yet make sure you sign up for the notification on the product page directly you'll be the first to know or subscribe to our uh, email list you'll find out that way as well yeah um but other than that we are gonna get into some nice words uh the first one is going to focus on our baby steps exfoliating treatment uh the title is simply the best why thank you (laughs) so this person writes i don't know how but this clears my skin like none other with zero irritation Excellent, excellent. Yes. I initially got a sample and was so impressed I ordered the full size. Woohoo! So versatile too. Mixes super easily with moisturizer so I can titrate. Wow, talk about someone who might be in chemistry. Titrate the dose. I've also had amazing results using it as a mask and as a spot treatment. Woo! 
I love this review. It basically summed up everything we want to accomplish with the baby yeah. steps. Um, it it is our gentle introduction to the world of chemical exfoliation. Even though it's positioned as a gentle intro, it might just be the one your skin needs. You don't need to go heavier than the baby steps. Yeah. And it seems like this person has mastered all the ways of using um using this product in their routine. Um, I did want to shout out that we finally have implemented um. The different attributes you see on reviews, like skin type, yes, uh, your age range, and also um, some of the routine tips that people have yeah. shared. So definitely go check out these reviews, and if you have tried our products, please leave us your honest review and share these details with us. It can really help someone else find the product that's right for them. Yeah. So uh, in updating our website, we had lost lost this feature, which we originally had for those of you who have stuck with us from the very beginning. Um, and we have found that um, it's really served as a really great testament. It has helped us help others um, find uh, products that work for their skin types, also how to use it. Also, you guys are wonderful in sharing all of the feedback. All right, next review. Um, so uh, one new thing that we started are intro kits. Um, we are really excited about this as um, some people have found our products be slightly unconventional and also um, have didn't realize that our products can be used in multiple ways in multiple methods um, so we launched three intro mini kits um, and so this review is about the hydration nation intro mini um, this is our misreliable and aquafix samples the title is mini samples and she writes Love how well these products hydrate my skin and lock it in. I believe these products will become a staple in my skincare routine. Yeah, exactly uh, what we intended to do. Um, as Victoria said, a lot of our products aren't created to fit more traditional lingo you're here. Like, it's, is this a serum? Is it a moisturizer? And we realized that even though we put a lot of our chemist um, mindset into creating these products it can become confusing you know when the two of us go off on rants like well you know it kind of depends on your skin type depends <laughs> on how you like to use these products it can be a serum but it can also be a very good moisturizer i low-key <laughs> think sometimes people are like can you just tell me how to use do this? i need this or so not I don't need the three <laughs> asterisks that come after yeah so um we create these kits hydration nation yeah. is um one of the three it can be used for all skin type. Mm -hmm. um, Aquafix can be used alone if you're very oily. Mm -hmm. You can use the two if you're normal to dry, yep. or you can just use Mr. Reliable if you have normal skin that doesn't need a lot of frills. Yep, exactly. And that's it for our brand update. Woo all right, moving on. So now it's time for In the News. The News. So today we want to share an article that came out in GCI. This is about the exaggerated sustainability claims. We had to talk about this because this is literally following up our previous episode on sustainability. Um, all in all, uh, one of the stats that they shared was the International Consumer Protection and Enforcement Network. This is a committee that is also looking at, uh, remember, regulation for sustainability and recycling is different per region. Um, so this is more focusing on the EU. They actually sh reported that 42% of reviewed cases of sustainability statements included claims that were exaggerated, false, or deceptive. 
Um, and this is going to lead us into uh, one of the policies that they just put in place um, in the UK. Their UK's Competition and Markets Authority issued the Green Claims Code in September of 2021. And this is to address all of those greenwashing and misleading claims that do impact and influence consumer buying decisions. So this is actually makes us happy. <laughs> yeah, it's not surprising at all. The number, if you guys listened to the previous episode, where we desperately tried to inject fun into a very dense, <laughs> so fun. very, very We're difficult We're so fun, subject, guys. <laughs> um, you will know that sustainability is very complicated um and we're by no means at the point where we can say we solved it guys yay let's all feel good about it so this is where a lot of marketing claims does go beyond where we are in terms of actual deliverables so it's great that the eu is taking lead per usual on cracking down on some of these misleading claims Mm -hmm. um just wanted to share for those of you who haven't seen the episode go back and check it out um I will say, as difficult as it is, I think it is also important to have a pulse check on where we are. So, you know, we aren't, sure. we aren't confusing you thinking that, oh, like, why are we still talking about this? Can't we all just do blank? It's not that simple. So, yeah. So, in following up with those codes that just went into place with the UK, uh, companies can now be held criminally responsible for these claims that are misleading <gasps> and unsubstantiated. So... Ooh. Okay. Good for anyway. the EU. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next, we've got some launches. Yeah, we're going to keep this new section really brief this time because we haven't done a big focus on decodes or even a closer look at celebrity launches, but just recently we had two really big ones came out. So update those celebrity bingo skincare cards. <laughs> yeah, so we mentioned Kim K's line in the last episode, and since that came out, um, you know, bleh. since that episode came out, the line is now officially available as well. Um, and during that time, Hailey Bieber's skincare, Road Skincare, has also been released. Now, these two are in wildly different price categories. Mm-hmm. So I actually just picked out two kind of similar SKUs, like both of their moisturizers, to do a decode together. And we can decode their claims too. Skin has a $85 skin cream that is claimed to be enriched with alfalfa complex, known as a natural retinol-like extract. Oh, news to me. <laughs> <laughs> a powerful postbiotic to help reinforce skin barrier and shea butter and squalling to deliver hydration. The skin by Kim. <laughs> People cream. think you're just being rude on purpose. But <laughs> Kim, I don't know how to pronounce SKKN. Face cream provides skin with a revived look. Cool. Cool. All right. Let's look at the ingredient list. It's a long one. We're going to post a picture up here. Yeah. It's like a paragraph and a half. So let's look at the, we'll just read the first 10 to give you a sense. First 10 is aqua, uh, C1215 akil fumarate, glycerin, squalane, cetyl ethyl hexanoate, myristol myristate, uh, shea butter, propane diol, Phytosterol, octododecil, laurel glutamate, steris 2. Is that 10? Oh, that's Last only one. 5. Oh, oh that's mag- 6. Oh, that's magnesium nine. aluminum silicate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's 10. <laughs> that's 
head, and you guys can see that I don't count on fingers very well on screen. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I don't think we hit a yeah. Did we hit a single active? But we did hit the swallower and shea butter, which is cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cool, guys, because you can never find swallower and shea butter anywhere else. So we literally (laughs) just covered like three of the thirty lines of ingredients. Um, We will mention that there are other things like, and this is way further down the list. You're probably looking at less than one percent here. Coconut oil, you've got uh, sodium hyaluronate, your hyaluronic acid, you got lactic acid, you got your lactococcus fermin lysate, uh, your radish root fermin filtrate. I think I saw adenosine in there at one point. Um, so we've got a lot of actives, but they are there are a lot of them, and we kind of are curious about the percentage of them. So yeah, so um, ultimately, I just feel like it's not. What bothers me the most about this cream is definitely the natural retinol-like extract. Who, when does it know as a natural retinol-like extract? Like, that's definitely news to me. And at the end of the day, it's structured like a pretty basic cream. Also, I I think there might be a typo in this inky list because there's hyaluronic acid listed twice in here. Ah. There's a blend. I definitely just copy and pasted the list, so... um, from the website, so there might be a typo here and there. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. So general takeaway is this is a moisturizer. That that's the it. end. If you <laughs> hate eighty five dollars, if you have eighty five dollars in your wallet, you're like, I can't stand looking at you. I have Damn, to Gloria. Get rid of you. <laughs> buy this cream. Oh my god, don't kill me, Kim. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, but I I will say they they did a consumer perception study, and mm-hmm. if you don't know what that means, it's actually quite different than a clinical, where actual measurements are taken by an expert evaluator or an instrument. But in their consumer perception claims, these are people that test it, go back, fill out a quiz, and grade it themselves. There's this one claim here that's 81% agree this product made dull skin look luminous after application. But when combined with their Skin by Kim oil drops. So I was like... That doesn't seem like a good claim to share. Also, the oil drops, I think it's also $85.90. Wow. Yeah, so if you want your dull skin to look luminous, all you got to do is fork over $180 to Kim K. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe just if you use this cream, add your own face oil over it. There you go. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's enough on Kim K. We're going to focus on Rhodes now and their $29 barrier cream. And the claim goes, this decadent moisturizer helps balance the skin's flora for a healthy-looking complexion. Interesting. The moisturizer is clinically proven to hydrate the skin, effectively reducing the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, and it works to improve skin's firmness, elasticity, and radiance. Now, those are all claims. And those are big blanketing claims. It's It's a moisturizer, but luminosity and everything else, and fine lines and wrinkles. Yeah. I actually didn't get a chance to see their clinical or... I didn't either. I got lost on their website. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we won't get too much into that. Um, We'll probably follow up with info on that later. 
Um, but can definitely say it's a much more condensed ingredient list. We'll read the top 10 ingredients now. Mm-hmm. We'll count on our fingers. First one, water, glycerin, caprylic capric triglyceride, shea butter, bahino alcohol, xylitol glucoside, niacinamide squalane, sodium acrylates copolymer, and phenoxyethanol. You know what I appreciate about this list? Is it ended on phenoxyethanol, <laughs> which if you haven't heard us talk about this before, which at this point has been a long time, yeah. but phenoxyethanol is a simple no-brainer 1% mark. It's capped at 1%. It is likely that they're using it at maybe slightly under 1%, but it's a good bet that underneath everything is under 1%. Um, and there are actives underneath that. There's bisabolo. You've got a few peptides. Um, you have a few plant extracts. You also have, uh, I'm looking, xylitol. Um, so there are a few actives that follow. Um, we would say this is a you know, pretty standard moisturizer that comes with niacinamide. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have I'm so idea. glad that they launched around the same time because I was like, oh, my, my, shea butter and squalling. I think I just saw you on Kim K's list. <laughs> just to kind of showcase that. Yeah, you know, I, I think since we started, we've done a lot of decodes. And we've had existential questions about like how helpful these are. Because at the end of the day, mm. as formulators, we do want to point out that just because products have the same ingredients don't mean that they are created equal. The formula as a whole definitely matters. Um, but as far as these two formulas go, they have some of this, some of, uh, they do have pretty similar key ingredients. Squalor and shea butter are, are both important components to a moisturizer yeah. they're the emollients and the occlusive to it yeah. and at this high up on the list in terms of how hydrating it is these are two key contributors so yeah i was also gonna add um it looks like yeah i, I think it's fair to say these are pretty comparable um mm-hmm. probably the only thing i would really look out here is i do see panthenol a little bit higher on the list for kim k's product so maybe this their formula might be slightly more nourishing but generally they're all i would say pretty well balanced in terms of we always talk about humectants emollients occlusives you're seeing all three of these on the il so it does function it can function as a standalone moisturizer for some people but again patch test is the only way to know right yeah Yeah. and the last thing i want to call out about the rose cream is niacinamide Mm. it's at a place where it's likely to be above one percent yes um we've said time to time again the ordinary have trained everyone to think where's my 10 percent niacinamide most likely not going to be a 10 percent here but you don't need that um so if you are using this product it's likely that you probably wouldn't need to layer it with a niacinamide serum to get that benefit um and yeah so between this it's an 85 dollar cream versus 29 dollar <laughs> cream so me personally i would i would say i would prioritize trying road skincare yep 100 percent agree and the other thing too is i actually couldn't say that the 85 dollar cream functions as an anti-aging cream either right. so that's i think also hard to sell the 85 dollar price tag right um but yeah if you have thoughts otherwise we'd love to hear it so definitely send you know leave that in the comments or email us um we would definitely love to get your feedback on that all right so that's it for the news we are actually going to move on to the meat because surprisingly people have a lot of feels about cleansers 
Yeah, and it's been almost a full year since we talked about cleansers yeah, on the podcast. We have a hard time talking about them. Let's be real. Yeah. Well, and to that point, the reason why sometimes it's hard for us to talk about cleansers is that it is incredibly personal. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has very unique skin, and nothing shows up more. Uh, this this sense of like what you like is definitely not what your friend like mm-hmm. is so true in the cleansing category yeah i think fragrance alone divides yeah. the community yeah. foam or no foam divides the community and these are not anything passionate anger yeah, too. it doesn't tie to any sort of science these are all feelings and that's totally fine but again how you know it definitely strikes up a lot of debate and conversation yep Definitely take a uh, take a look at our previous episode on this. I think it was episode twenty one in the past. Good memory. I just looked it up. <laughs> um, in that one, we also kept it pretty simple. Instead of having a core structure, we talked a little bit about surfactant science and just answered everyone's questions about cleansers. This episode, we're gonna go into more skincare, uh, the skin type versus cleanser question. To start, cleanser versus acne. I think this has to be one of, I, I think an acne cleanser has to be a, a lot of people's entryway into anything skincare. For sure, yeah. Uh, it's also the cheapest mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think we've shared this in our previous um, episode too, so this might sound redundant, but there are just a couple studies that um, do show that you know 2% salad acid washes can be helpful to a routine. But we definitely want to add an asterisk here. There is no way a single cleanser is gonna solve your acne breakouts. It's definitely helpful, it's definitely can uh, boost your acne uh, topicals and your general acne routine, but it's not going to be the single solution that makes or breaks breaks your routine. So, um, not to over glorify what an acne cleanser does, but it definitely is a mode that we see um, in a routine where you can add a little bit of sal acid or even BPO if you can't fit it anywhere else. Yeah, and. Kind of adding on to that, it's definitely, we, time and time again, you'll hear us say you don't want actives in your mm-hmm. cleanser because it's like washing it down the toilet. True. This is the category where it exactly. is there to help. Yeah. Um, and we did share the cell acid versus BPO wash study back in the day. And I do kind of want to dive into a couple other more creative studies. Now, these are smaller studies, but mm-hmm. I still think there's things to take away from these. Let's do it. All right. So there is an eight-week study that have one regular cleanser benched against a cleanser with actives. So this active is actually a very interesting blend. Um, It had 1% cell acid, 0.04% triclosan, which is an antimicrobial People are freaking out right now. (laughs) Often using antibacterial hand soap it has fallen far from grace but we're not here to discuss triclosan and then one percent azelaic acid Um, what how the study worked is every person gets both washes and it's a split face study Mm. Um, they wash it twice a day for four weeks and then they stop using these cleansers for four more weeks and um, basically expert graders will look at these people's acne breakout lesions and compare um, at the zero week, two week, four week, and eight week time points. What's interesting is 
at the eight week time point, so four weeks after they stop using both cleansers, um, the one with actives show a greater, and we'll have the graphs here, it shows a greater reduction in that angry, inflamed acne. Mm. But over four weeks, uh, uh, and then over eight weeks, the two cleansers in terms of the number of lesions reduced and the average amount of breakout is about the same. Mm-hmm. I think the takeaway here is while having actives help, to Victoria's point, it doesn't solve all of your breakout problems. Yeah. And general hygiene is still very important here. Which leads us to the next question. Um, how bad is overwashing? What's the sweet spot of frequency of cleansing? And Gloria found a great paper to talk about that as well. Yeah, and you'll hear us, um, we often talk about how even though you're tempted to wash and get that squeaky clean feeling, um, whether or not you can overwash your face is definitely up for debate. Mm-hmm. And I found this uh, study I'm just going to read the top line results from. So this study actually broke, up, broke down subjects into three groups. Mm-hmm. One that washed their face once daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that washed their face twice daily. Okay. And one that washed their face four times a day. It's a lot of washing. <laughs> I wouldn't even it's know a lot how of to time. In. Do you wash before lunch and after lunch? How do you? Is it at middle gym time? Like it's a lot. Yeah, and I'm almost curious. Like, do people lie in these studies? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I uh, totally wash my face four times yep. a day. Yeah. Um, but what they found was fascinating. Twice a day group and the four times a day group both decreased um, decreased acne lesions. Mm. What's interesting is the once a day group came out really bad. <laughs> it was actually worse than before the study. Yeah, and honestly, that makes a lot of sense because we all know that while um, we definitely did a deep dive in our acne part one of the blog article, we talk about how acne, sea acnes are a contributing factor Um, They are not the main source, but they definitely contribute to the acne lesion. So yes, of course, by washing your face, this does help with the overgrowth of C. acnes and controlling that population that ultimately leads to an acne breakout. So while that all makes sense, I know there's there's definitely a subset of, of people that feel like cleansers contribute to acne breakouts. So great study to have to share this with you guys. Yeah, I think between these two studies, uh, it is important to say that both of these studies that we talked about are small. They are Mm -hmm. under 20 people. It's more like uh, it it shows something, but not to take the conclusions away. More data needed. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think the key takeaway here is twice a day seems to be the sweet spot if you're acne prone. Yeah. Um, And And I was going to say, just to add to that, yeah, uh, do you need to wash four times a, a day? Definitely not. You know, remember that um, with acne breakouts, your skin is under fire. You know, mm-hmm. you're also putting some generally harsher um, topicals on your skin. It's important to help your skin barrier through this process. So by overwashing, it does and can impact the health of your skin um, as well. So just keep that in mind. So again, like Laura was saying, two a day is the golden rule. I don't think we have to question that again, but let's see. Maybe there's another paper that will make us feel differently. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's it on cleanser if you're acne prone. And let's go to the other end of it. Cleanser versus dry skin. Oh, the feels. Yeah. So I personally have very, very dry skin. <laughs> I never... Growing up, I never pointed my fingers at 
cleansers, mm. and I love soap cleansers. The squeakier, the better. <laughs> it's that lathery, lathery, like luxurious mm-hmm. foam that smells nice. Yeah, so definitely feel for anyone out there with dry skin. Um, there's a lot of things you'll hear on the interwebs. Um, things like which surfactant should you use? Mm. Um, people swear by low pH cleansers, this and that. It's important to remember that this is why cleanser is really hard for us to talk about because cleanser formulas are complicated by design. Surfactant, uh, the pH, they're important, but they're just important pieces of a puzzle. Mm, yes. None of these things alone are like the ride or die golden rule that you should go off of. I think that's such an important point to remember because people... Um, while it's great to try to figure out you know, which surfactants your skin might like or dislike it's very hard to come right out of the gate to say this this surfactant like cocoa betaine sls like these don't work because most cleansers are blended Mm -hmm. and those percentages of these surfactants are different there's no chart of how much you should really use per surfactant or golden rule golden ratio anything like that so um to write it off immediately right out of the gate we would say don't do that. Mm-hmm. But if you think there, you might have an inkling about this, trial another one with another with that same surfactant. And I'm getting ahead of ourselves because we are going to talk about cleansers in the routine. But I think we always get um, some people say like, "Oh, I'm really not good with X surfactant." Mm-hmm. We'll be like, "Okay, what cleansers have you tried?" And then we'll try to backtrack the history. Um, anyways. I went off tangent, sorry. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something that I thought was interesting to talk about is nowadays you'll hear a lot of claims that's like, oh, like this this uh, body wash or this cleanser is actually moisturizing. Mm. So can cleansers be moisturizing? Um, there might be some merit to these claims, actually. Mm. Not to say, if you're dry, though, you should never go with, not to say the cleanser <laughs> replaces your moisturizer, please. <laughs> it's just to say that it helps. Um, I did find a study where there's 50 subjects. It's used for four weeks. Um, they used a body wash, one that is moisturizing, one is not. And the moisturizing body wash contains ingredients like glycerin, petrolatum, and soybean oil. So... They looked at parameters like uh, erythema, scaling, dullness, Mm. and roughness. And it does seem like the hydrating body wash tends to do a little better. If you zoom in a little closer to these charts, you'll see that the error bars are humongous. (laughs) (laughs) They're like... They're like this. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at it, it's like in the beginning, the baseline. It's all over the place. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, but directionally, it mm. seems to indicate that these ingredients matter. Now, what does it mean for you when you're choosing a cleanser? If you see nice ingredients like cluster, yeah, cool. If you see some oil, <laughs> bueno. <laughs> Petrolatum. Cool. <Also> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and not, and. I guess, like, I think for me personally, when I hear claims like that, I tend to just roll my eyes. And mm. I, I don't believe. I'm not a believer. But actually, if you're really lost and you have really dry skin, it's not a bad, um, bad place or bad claim to go off of. Yeah. Also, just to help you weed out all the body washes or, or uh, face washes. I did want to ask for this study. Um this is obviously right after they wash their face or wash their body, right? There's no like 
lotion after or anything no. like that. Okay. Yeah. So I had, uh, the reason why I wanted to ask that is more because, like, who knows what happens if you just put a lotion on top. <laughs> so, and, you know, a lot of things to think about here. I think the main takeaway is that there's always a concern of cleansers being very stripping, mm-hmm. very dehydrating, drying. Um, so it's more for that in that capacity than uh, oh, we want things that moisturize. Yeah. Right, exactly. Cool. Um, and last but not least, we have to talk about cleansers versus various skin conditions. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it can be anything from you feel like you have a general skin sensitivity mm-hmm. to I have rosacea, I have eczema, I don't know what to choose. Yeah. Um, so first off, rosacea. Mm-hmm. Rosacea is notoriously difficult to treat. It's all about management. And having worked with or talked with people with rosacea, it seems like it, everyone's trigger is also a little unique. Yep. You start to get, it's like acne, right? It's yep. almost like you're seeing signs and you're like, I think that triggers it. Yep. Um, and it's definitely very difficult to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an overview article that is free. You can read a full paper. I'll post a link in the description. And the main takeaway from that paper is that they did look at pH. We say pH is not super duper important, but when it comes to skin with permanent uh, chronic conditions such as rosacea and eczema, pH does seem to play a pretty big role. Um, So they tested Syndet soaps, which are are soaps with lower pH and um, and surfactant blends instead of soap-based alkaline soap. It makes a huge difference to people with rosacea. Yeah. And there's also another um, more of a survey study um, that looked at over a thousand rosacea cases uh, versus 1,000 healthy controls. This was a Chinese survey study. Um, And first of all, with survey studies, uh, we should preface that these are very difficult to draw real conclusions because that means they have to condense and consolidate all of these other data points from other studies, which means conditions are not always the same. It's really difficult to, uh, I guess, figure out, you know, the different specifics. For example, for rosacea, you know, the types of cleansing factors that, you know, the subjects are using, what they're using in their routine. These are not all aligned in all of these different labs, or sorry, in all of these different studies that they're compiling the data of. So um, we're just gonna say that and then, but, there are some really um, interesting points here. One of the things they talk about is that, for example, the cleansing duration, how long you cleanse for, does not contribute to rosacea. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's no um, consensus on that, but th- they say that it's because most people don't cleanse for longer than one minute. So they don't really know if that's more because the window of time that they cleanse is so short and we don't have people that are cleansing their face for three minutes. So that was kind of an interesting takeaway. And I, uh, we've done a poll before where we would ask people, like, how long do you wash your face? And so we just want to say it seems like there's 2,000 subjects out there and the consensus is under, under 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think in the past we've done content where we compare cleansers by um, washing off different types of makeup or yeah. form. Yeah. And we'll try to control the method a little bit better. We'll do it, we'll lather for like a full minute. And then we get comments like, 
who the heck rubs their skin for a full minute? (laughs) (laughs) Who has time for one minute of cleansing? I was like, oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, today I learned most people don't. (laughs) Um, The other interesting takeaway was um, they found that the overuse of cleansing tools and deep exfoliating, those can contribute to rosacea. And what that means is, cleansing devices that can be brushes anything that more gives a mechanical motion um also to even like exfoliating products so Mm. um that was we thought was interesting and the other thing too was they talk about um oil absorbing um they also mentioned facial mask so we kind of have to dissect what some of these terms they don't clearly define what that means i think they kind of put these as like umbrella categories But they definitely, um, I think what they are alluding to is clay masks. Mm -hmm. Um, They find that um, those um, deep cleansing facial masks that people do um, can contribute to rosacea along with certain in-office procedures. But they didn't really clarify what that means. That could be anything. So... I didn't know what to make of that, to be honest. I will say these survey articles are always interesting but kind of annoying for yes. us to read because yeah. um they survey a ton of people mm-hmm. so but at the same time like, i don't envy these researchers because mm-hmm. to extract anything consistent out mm-hmm. of a thousand people and just their basic daily habits is yeah. really hard yeah so if we were to make a conclusion here we would say that hey don't wash your face for too long Mm. and uh also don't (laughs) yeah and don't overwash your face with devices um and don't go too crazy with those and that i think those would be the main things there yeah Yeah, and i want to add that i think sometimes people with more sensitive skin tend to look at these studies and say oh my god like i am using a device like i am doing this and that and i should just stop um Mm. that's not what we're saying at all um it is important to remember that Overdoing anything is bad, no yeah. matter your skin type, yeah. right? So maybe someone with a rosacea can only use a cleansing brush. I'm just giving examples here. It's a hard number. Yeah. But let's say uh, once a week is suitable for them. For maybe sure. for someone more sensitive, twice a week is your magic number. It's about kind of listening to your skin and kind of assessing the right frequency for yourself. I was also going to add just a personal anecdote here. I do like to use some sort of cleansing um, I don't want to say device, but just like an element, whether it's a contract sponge or something during the summer, because mm. I'm wearing way more sunscreen. My skin is way oil- oilier and sweaty. So I um, I feel like that's when I would incorporate that. But then in the winter, when I'm starting to use um, heavier on the retinoids or more exfoliants, even um, I would say I, I don't incorporate that. So it's kind of those like fine tuning those methods and adapting to it that I feel Feel like can really help out your routine if that gives you a sense of how to balance it i always feel like examples are helpful but yeah. i don't know i don't know i don't know yeah okay. totally <laughs> all right cool anyways so that is meet part one yay Gloria found some great studies so that was really cool hope that was interesting um yeah. again cleansing our subjective in meet part two we'll talk a little bit about our main takeaways and our personal styles when it comes to shopping for cleansers. Yes. But for now, it's Claims Corner. We got a good one. Today, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. <laughs> it's very important. But we found a baby brand. Mm-hmm. It has claimed to be the safest of the safe and the cleanest of the clings. 
If anyone says that, you should already be like, all right. Yeah. So the claim that, the main claim that I have a problem with is this one. <clears throat> when it comes to the products you put on your baby skin, the smallest things can have a big impact. That's why we thoroughly test every batch to make sure our formulas are stable, hypoallergenic, and free of contaminants. Free of contaminants, heavy metals, and harmful bacteria. We even test packaging compatibility to make sure it doesn't alter the formula in any way. <laughs> All these are just a few of the small steps we are taking to give families greater <laughs> peace of mind when seeking out gentle skincare for your little ones. My, my, my. So, you may be wondering, <laughs> well, those sounds very, very legit. Why would you crap on someone wanting to make safer products for babies? The reason is these are all really standard tests that any responsible out brands out there would do for all their products. My, 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 that is a low bar for your babies. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think we, it's not like we ever come on this podcast to give a primer on, you know, how to, what the tests that chemists put their products through or, you know, um, more industry side facing things. But we can say that stability, uh, heavy metal testing, Preservative testing, uh, compatibility are the most basic tests that you should do on all your products. Again, is that the bar now? Like, oh, you have an in-house chemist, like gold star. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's that's. I actually, you know, sadly that might be true. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe yeah. it is, but at the same time, just kind of like. I was like kind of annoyed that this brand yes, is almost like sure. shading the industry and then propping themselves up on the most standard set of tests that you can possibly do on your products. But anyway, it's true and sweet, but I just wanted to, to mention that. We also won't get into it too much, but they probably say they're EWG certified, if that gives you an idea of what kind of you know brand they might be positioned as. Mm -hmm. um, but again, uh, for those of you, um, I guess, trying to assess which brands are better, this is the bare minimum. <laughs> this is the standard to make sure that you're doing proper QA, QC to get a good product on shelf. So do yep. not let this be the winning like argument to why they're better for your babies. Yep. <laughs> and there's a little window of insight. Um, yeah, any responsible manufacturers too, to be certified, um, there's different certifi certifications to get for manufacturing standards. These are all part of it. It's also um, like, good job, little buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, the one more thing I kind of want to point out is the hypo genetic claim mm. and also baby claims That's in general point. oh there, <laughs> okay can of worms <clears throat> there is no industry there isn't a, a legal standard to what these claims mm -hmm. mean marketing generally claims. speaking it means you do a patch test on adult humans and to get to that hypoallergenic claim you just test on more people. So it's basically like a risk assessment kind of test. Yep. Um, and more stringent than your typical safety claim. Yes. Um, the other part of that is baby safe. Uh, there's not, they're definitely not testing it on any babies. babies. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, and so what that means is this is the brand's uh, positioning and their mission of what they consider to be safe for babies. So... Oh, while EWG, that might, duh. 
<laughs> so while that may shock you about your, you know, the baby products you're using and what you're putting on babies, yeah, there's actually no set standard. It is not standardized at all. Um, so we is that a uplifting conclusion? <laughs> <laughs> um, long story short, I think established ingredients that have long histories yeah. are usually what's using babies. Yeah. I think another claim this brand makes is plant-based ingredients. I do think mm. baby formulas is actually where you do need the best of both plant and synthetic ingredients. Synthetic ingredients tend, tend to be, not all of them, but tend to be more chemically pure. Um, simpler compounds is the way to go here. Plants can be nice, but, you know, that's not, they're not all created equal. Plants are complex. Yeah, and some plant-derived ingredients can be just as processed as synthetic ingredients. So, yeah, that's it. I think that's where we'll leave that one. Uh, Yeah, and also, you know, at the end of the day, this is something to work with with your derm, your pediatrician, to Mm -hmm. find the best solutions as well. Do not look to your brands to be the ones to be the guiding light here. Yep. So, yeah. All right, cool. All right, now we're going to move on to meat part two, where we get into actual cleansing routines. Uh, For those of you who are new to us, (laughs) I have really dry skin. I wouldn't say it's super sensitive, but it's very, very dry. Oh, sorry. Is that my turn? (laughs) Yes. Uh, And I have very oily, acne-prone skin. Um, And our routines are very different. Yeah, um, for me, I do tend to double cleanse, mm. especially on days when I have makeup. It just mm. seems like it's taking off everything I have on my face without tugging on skin. I will say my personal pet peeve when it comes to uh, oil or balm cleansers is minimal residue because the idea is that double cleansing should be optional because I'm lazy. I don't really like to double cleanse. Yeah. Um, historically, at a really bad cleansing routine, um, this all stems from having acne where you are just praying you can wash the acne off your face. So I was originally looking for stripping, um, that uh, clean, squeaky feel. Um, and through this journey, boy, has my cleansing rapidly changed. Um, so I don't look for those things anymore. Um, but I am a lazy soul, so I do not double cleanse. That actually might be a problem because every once in a while, I will visit our lovely esthetician friend in Van Nuys who (laughs) will sometimes remind me like, hey, I think your cleansing might not be as good this month. So anyways, um, Gloria has witnessed that. Um, But I will say one of the things is I for some of these hydrating cleansers, um, CeraVe is kind of one that can comes to mind there are certain cleansers that leave this more they want to leave a moisturizing but in my mind a residue feel so that's something i don't quite enjoy Mm -hmm. um so i definitely gravitate towards a one and done gel cleanser that really just takes the day off and that's all i need i had i do have to say something a little quirky about my product choices is that when it comes to cleansers um I'm the same with Victoria in terms of just simple no frills cleanser yeah. that does the job thoroughly. I actually, even though I'm dry, I don't. I look for gentle cleansers, but I don't look for gentle and hydrating cleansers. Mm. But I look for hydrating claims on my body wash. The oh, reason okay. is 
because of what we do. I have a very robust facial skincare routine. My body care routine is <laughs> not <existing>. horrifying. <laughs> so if I use more typical or even yeah. like share the same body wash yeah. as my fiance, I will be super ashy and dry and still be like, huh, I guess it's been three days since I put on body moisturizer. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And uh, I, I will say when I think there was a period of time during the pandemic where body care was really big. Mm-hmm. Um, there were three step kits. There were body serums. And boy, is that a foreign concept to the two of us. Yeah, I, I was just telling Victoria the other day. I'm like, damn, like I like. I barely get all the hair on my legs when I shave. <laughs> You're telling me I need three steps for my body. I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> Sorry, guys, might be TMI. <laughs> no, it's it's super real. And we'll say during the pandemic, like only Gloria and our booze had to look at us. That really went out the window. Yeah, the bar got lower. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. All right, so... Um, we should also kind of say, you know, if you are looking for a place to start, mm-hmm. start basic. Um, start with, you know, your basic bitty CeraVe, your Cetaphils, you know, get a sense of what more you're looking for. Also, you don't have to invest as much money. Um, another option we always say is um, gel and cream cleansers tend to be the staple of your routine exactly Mm -hmm. so you can figure out which format you like the most and then go from there you know if you see that hey this is working well for me and but i usually wear a long wear makeup every day i need a little bit more cleansing power that's when double cleansing comes in makeup removers come in so just build on that if you're looking for a place to start yeah and something i kind of want to ask victoria is (laughs) Uh, I think this is where everything gets a little personal, but sometimes people get worried mm. that they're making the wrong choice for their skin. Yeah. So I have to ask her, fragrance or no, and foam or no? Oh, I love fragrance, actually. Mm-hmm. I know um, people are very scared of it, um, but uh, it really doesn't deserve the bad rap. You know, of course, if you're sensitive, you have chronic skin conditions, these are things that definitely can cause a trigger. But um, all in all, I do like a little bit of fragrance. I like my face smelling clean. Um, Yeah, what about you? Definitely a hard yes, too. Mm -hmm. Cleansers, especially amino acid-based cleansers, to me, they taste like something. (laughs) It's very weird, I know, but it's like, I'd rather just... Newsflash, Gloria eats her cleansers. (laughs) Yeah, she washes. You're not a real chemist until you start eating your cleanser. Just say I'm doing it for science, guys. <laughs> oh my god. Um, <clears throat> I do like fragrance. Yeah. I will say foam. I'm actually indifferent about. Okay. Like I think foam I care more about in my shampoo. Mm. I like a nice, super lathery, foamy mm-hmm. shampoo. But with my face, as long as it's like, com- I what I don't like is completely no foam. Mm-hmm. I think heavy foam or low foam is all fine with me, but the ones where it's just like sliding around your face, like yeah. not doing anything, that's really weird to me. I was going to say, yeah, exactly that. Like, I think I need a little bit of foam. Mm-hmm. What type of foam that is? Fun fact. 
there is chemistry just centered around type of foam. Yeah. It is, you could write an entire PhD thesis mm-hmm. on the types of foam that you create. It's very fascinating, very technical, very nerdy. Um, but I just, the thought of, it doesn't, I don't know if it's a sensory cue, but if it, if I don't see what it looks like is, um, almost like emulsifying or foaming it doesn't feel clean it feels like i just took a lotion to my face and i'm washing it with water mm-hmm. and for an oily skin type that is really unsettling <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure and i think some people do associate foaminess to the the strength of the surfactant yeah that's again it's complicated that yeah. th- it, that's one piece of the puzzle it's not directly correlated with yeah. that because you can make a lot of foam or no foam with any range of surfactants really yeah and you know i again i want to kind of talk about you know surfactants we said um we were kind of talking about how you shouldn't write off a single surfactant because it can be kind of like elusive for example mm-hmm. cocoa betaine great it's actually considered a gentle surfactant, and it is. But there are certain skin types where that doesn't quite work because it's still essentially a detergent, and if used too much, can sometimes cause irritation. But cocoa betaine foams really well, you know. So, and that's why we're saying like, don't let these sensory cues dictate too much on mm. the actual performance of the cleanser. You're actually looking for whether or not you are. You know, you, you, your face doesn't feel quite clean. You're not, you're still seeing residue on your face. You know, is your skin very stripping? Look for those cues instead, instead of like foam, no foam. Which brings to my next question. Okay. All right. How long do you usually test a cleanser before you declare a winner or a loser? So this is probably pretty bad. Well, no, actually I can confidently say one to two times. Oh, yeah, oh, I don't yeah. know if that's really sure or not. I think um, usually I'll know by just um, after washing, um, specifically, you know, any sort of eye makeup like in this area. Um, and then also general feel by end of day. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some, again, I think the thing, the trigger for me is residue mm-hmm. where I can feel heavy, like it feels heavy and gross. And that's how I know it's not working. Got it. For me, I treat cleanser like like dating. Okay. <laughs> Three to More five dating. Days. <laughs> Three to five days. More is dating the tips from <laughs> <laughs> Three to five days to get a sense for the cleanser's personality. Okay. And the good things and or bad things happening in your life, you're like, hmm, is it him or is it just a fluke? Mm. <laughs> That's kind of what you know. Um, for me, because I'm dry, sometimes if I use a new cleanser, the next morning, I may or may not feel dryer um and i realized at least for myself that sometimes it's a quirk of just using a new formula it doesn't um it doesn't necessarily mean the cleanser is dripping on me uh usually my skin will kind of like get over it after the third or fifth use yeah but if it doesn't that means that the cleanser itself is causing problems yeah that's a good point so yeah, today five dates with your cleanser <laughs> today i learned uh victoria runs away <laughs> quickly <laughs> whereas gloria tries to give it a chance <laughs> yeah maybe maybe we just picked the wrong topic to yeah, talk about wrong wrong dating scenario wrong event yeah, yeah. it's retinal night it's just not <laughs> setting it up for success <laughs> yeah yeah good point all right cool um any personal pet peeves with cleansing um 
I think I briefly mentioned it, but I don't know how much I can stress how just I I can't stress enough how much I hate the completely no foam texture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is seriously disgusting. It's like snotty to me. Yeah, I think pet peeves might be more around acne claims with mm-hmm. cleansers. Um, it's a competitive market. Mm-hmm. Acne cleansing is like a whole row of uh, it's a whole shelf of products. Um, but I think. People seem to hone in on this product format for acne, um, and I just don't want people to be misled in that sense of that this is the problem. It's like actually, it's probably not the problem. It's you know, it's just acne being acne, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, general yeah. feels of acne. So I guess to wrap the meat up, yeah. um, it's actually not in our notes, but oh. uh, I figure. We haven't talked about any products, so I just kind of want to share a few products that I've used throughout my life and kind of the evolution of that. Yeah. Um, my go-to since a child, since I was, you know, in middle school or something, has been Origins, like, I think it's called Balance or Perfectly Balanced uh, Face Wash. Okay. It's soap-based. It's white. It's the white bottle. Yeah. And I love that squeak. I'm like, oh my god, my face is so clean. <laughs> it's so dry, but it's clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was my go-to for years. And then my sister introduced me to the Shu Uemura Cleansing mm, Oil. Very and then fancy. That, yes, that was my go-to for a few years until I realized that you know, if I had to choose between ramen and my cleansing oil, I think I'm going to have to choose ramen. <laughs> um, so that's yeah. when I started dabbling in all sorts of um, drugstore cleansers. Mm-hmm. And from there, I didn't have a favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I was honestly, this. so this was all before I got in the industry. So I've used all the classic. And I think what I like and didn't like were all based on fragrance. Yeah. It's just the feeling. Yeah. Um, and after getting into the industry is actually when I realized oh hey i'm trying maybe i should try gentler cleansers <laughs> when did you start using um cleansing balms um that's when clinique came out yeah. with the take the day off yep. and it honestly it wasn't right when it came out honestly it was when i had my first traveling catastrophe with my cleansing oil it exploded over my clothes yep. and i got to europe with a greasy luggage yep. so yeah uh for me Again, it always started with Neutrogena. I've tried all the acne washes in Neutrogena, so um, and they some of them are quite stripping. Um, I think I eventually moved into the Derm tried to put me on the Cetaphil facial wash, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, what the, again, that's actually the perfect example of something that doesn't foam, um, but it just it's supposed to be incredibly gentle. <laughs> The shoop, shoop, shoop effect. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and that didn't last very long, actually. I, I couldn't take it. And then I agree with you. I think generally it, um, I was choosing things based on fragrance, um, but I really stayed more in the gel category mm-hmm. um, until I got to uh, the philosophy. Oh, um, that's philosophy a good one. Purity. I thought it smelled great. Um, it's actually not that stri- stripping. It's more of a cream cleanser. And I think I was on that for actually most of my high school and even into my college years. Yeah, yeah. actually, that reminds me. I think now we both use Blink Slate in, yeah. our, um, in our routine, even yeah. though we have very different skin types. Yeah. So coming back in stock any day. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on it, I promise. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I do think the、uh, philosophy purity made simple. I think is what it's called. Yeah, is actually one of my favorite、yeah. non like not ourselves、um, cleansers too. Yeah, yeah, and、uh, we. It's been a while. We will definitely、um, share some of our top favorites in、um, in terms of different cleanser formats.、Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact: Gloria loves powder cleansers. Oh yeah, it's actually very random. I I have a few, and the thing is that they're all sketchy because、mm-hmm. my mom will buy them. Oh my mom, these cleansers are awesome, and like the labels will be peeling off. I can't read the brand, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know, like the the powder enzyme cleansers、yeah. I tend to like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, those I'm like I'm kind of okay with. I I think、um, also because they're kind of messy and、yeah. they clump and it's not very clean. So yeah,、um, uh, I was trying to think if there's anything else I'm missing here. But yeah, I think oh cleanser point. Yeah, I haven't ever spent on a luxurious cleanser. I think. I the most expensive cleanser I've ever gotten is probably Shumor. The shoe or more cleanser? Wow! Yeah, actually, now I think about it, it's absurd. Like, I want to go back to college, me and be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> you can buy ten bitcoins with this. Why are you buying cleansing oil?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that was like my foray into real skincare because、mm. I think I mentioned before, college is when I first noticed. That I mean, it's always been dry, but college is when I noticed that dryness was starting to cause real problems,、yeah. and I was like, "Holy crap! I'm twenty, and I'm starting to see first signs of like fine lines." Yeah. So to want to take better care of my skin, I turned to more expensive skincare,、yeah. thinking that it must be better. And then I realized, wow, why am I spending seventy bucks on cleansing oil? Yeah, and I, you know, I was gonna add, we always say like, yeah, you you don't want. Anti-aging actives in your cleansers. You don't want to pay、mm. for that, and that's true. But cleansing can be considered an age prevention step.、Mm. Good cleansing habits,、um, the accumulation of you know, if you're especially if you're in the city, like pollution, these and you know, external aggressors. This is actually all important in you know your general age prevention for skin. So do you, you know? It's kind of a weird concept, but you can think of cleansing as. An age prevention step.、Um, I forgot who. Is hard. Yeah, I think I forgot who I was talking to recently,、yeah. but someone who doesn't really work in this industry,、yeah. and we and I said that line, and they're like, "What?" I was like, "Oh,、yeah. how often do you wash your face?" He's、yeah. like, "Oh, when I remember, every other day." When、I'm、I like, remember, it's like. Yeah, daily cleansing is important. <laughs> Maybe first step. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's just let's start there. <laughs> When you remember, I'm sorry. I just it's really hard to imagine putting putting on anything on my face if I haven't cleansed. I used to know a girl who never in college never washed her face. Her morning routine consists of patching in eyeliner from the night before. <gasps> like whatever is smudged overnight, she'll just fill it in, and off she goes. <laughs> Stuff of nightmares, guys. <laughs> But I forgot how garbage your everything true, habits are. True, that's so true. College、yeah. habits were absurd. We're not gonna、bad. talk about that. Yeah, All right, cool. <laughs> All right, so that's the meat. Hopefully, it is somewhat helpful. Gives you an idea of where to start.、Mm-hmm. Gives you an idea of what not to fear when you're cleansing your face, and why it's important to properly cleanse your face. But yeah, yay! yay! All right. It's time for the.、Uh, uh, 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 I can't talk. <laughs> All right, it's time to break, 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 break it up, break, break, break it up, break, break, break it up, break, break, break it up.
Sorry, that was really high pitch. I'm going to get an email about this. I'm sorry. I know. I just think that. All right. It's Animal Fun Fact Corner. And today it is my turn. Woohoo. All right. I'm going to keep it simple. Today we are talking about the flamingo. Is it pink ones? Yes. As opposed to what else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> are there other color ones? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's mingle with the flamingo. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Help. Help. All right, uh, so there are six subspecies of flamingo. So they could be not pink. <laughs> they are actually all pink. But oh, okay. <laughs> they are found on all continents except Australia and Antarctica. I wouldn't want to go there either. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, we're going to play a quick quiz for Gloria. Adult oh. flamingos are typically four to five feet tall. How much do you think they weigh? It's pretty tall. Oh, weight is right. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Animal yeah. edition. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say they're probably, birds are really light. So I'm going to say 25 pounds. Four to eight pounds. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, they're just all leg. <laughs> it's like two sticks. It's actually just a software put into a shell. Wow. Yeah, they're super light. You know, when you said that, I'm like, oh, they're probably light. And I, my the first number was actually 15 in my mm-hmm. head. And I was like, wait, that's way too light. My yeah, cat yeah. is like 15 yeah, yeah, pounds. Yeah, exactly. Dang. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, doesn't make sense. Fun fact. Yep. Um, the reason why I chose this is not only do they proportionally by weight does not make sense. Um, I found out that, uh, they eat upside down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So because the, their neck is so long, um, how they eat is they, um, they eat anything. They're not picky eaters. They'll eat algae, worms, crustacean trash organic debris your child um, <laughs> like anything but what they do is they swirl they'll use their feet to swirl the water up that they're in which is usually like shallow lakes and swamp area and then they'll um intake the liquid and filter with through their teeth but upside down <laughs> There's nothing in there to alien with the software with like the keypad. So for those people that believe that birds aren't real, this is totally fair. Um, so I know last year we had a thing about um, mating habits or just general oh, yeah, socialization. Uh-huh. Um, this year it's about eating habits and. The reason why um, they eat upside down is their neck is so long. So if you can imagine their beak, the only way for it to work is to swoop uh-huh. this. Uh-huh. And that's how they eat. Oh God, evolution so broken. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, uh, other than that, uh, they actually don't have that many predators based on their location. Well, yeah, there's not much meat on them. (laughs) Apparently not a lot of protein to provide anyway. The amount of time it will take me to, like, feather a flamingo (laughs) is not worth the 10 calories I'm getting. (laughs) Yeah, great point. Um, So they also, um, what's interesting is they live in these, like, colonies. So a bigger predator, in a sense, is disease. Um, they are actually way more susceptible to things like tuberculosis. What? And avian flu. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which is 
you would never have thought that. So, um, and what's really rough is um, they're not um, migrant birds. So let's say their source of food and water is polluted. The whole colony is going to get stomach virus. Like, they'll sit there and they'll all get sick. They're and all they're getting like, stomach virus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, that, yeah. They're also monogamous. Oh. Mate for life. Um, the funny thing is their nests are nests of mud, which doesn't sound great. Um, and they have an issue where some flamingo mating pairs, they actually find it easier instead to build nests to steal nests. So a lot of time they spend guarding their nests so that they're not stolen from their neighbors. No it's like a neighbor. ghetto colony. It's like everyone gets stomach flu. You're stealing each other's nests. It's very medieval. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So anyways, that is the flamingo. Now, I have to say, I am currently wedding planning. Oh, and well, I haven't really gone through a lot of details but we're talking about cake toppers and my fiance <laughs> did not ask for any of this but okay. i was like you know the traditional like you know like um symbols of love animals uh are symbols of love because people think they're monogamous but they're not really monogamous like it's a swan right? like swans are sluts slut shaming swans i'm just saying they're not honest birds <laughs> I was like going on a rant about how some animals are uh, socially monogamous mm. but sexually promiscuous, whatever. <laughs> like go on this rant, and he has this look of like, "Wow, I don't care." And he's like, "Is that from the Finch one we were talking about, where they have their social trees and they'll catch their significant other?" In the yeah, exactly. Okay. And I was like going off on a rant about it. And he said, well, "Whatever, man. We don't have to use animals. Like, what are some truly monogamous animals?" Then I'm like. I heard vultures are truly monogamous. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's going to veto the idea of having a vulture. I would cake. love the idea of two really pissed off vultures. <laughs> that is badass. Maybe I hope it's just as big as a wedding cake. That's a cake. Maybe I'll propose a flamingo. Maybe that's more palatable than vultures. <laughs> Except they'll be somewhat ghetto yeah ghetto they're fighting over the cake that's their swamp <laughs> ah all right we've digressed anyway let's wrap this up that's for the, the sake of our closer. listeners <laughs> all right uh it's so now we're gonna end on a little bit of q a <gasps> usually we pull from the followers mm-hmm. but today in celebration of our newest member ava we pulled her for her burning skincare questions. And the first one I think everyone f- wants to know is, do I need an eye cream? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about it mm. here and there. Generally speaking, you don't really need uh, a moisturizing eye cream per se, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times, so <clears throat> I should reframe this a little bit. For eye creams, if it's moisturizing, if it's um, something that's just supposed to nourish, they're not formulated a lot more differently mm-hmm. than your moisturizer. Um, what is different is sometimes they will go through an extra step of testing for eye irritation. Okay. Um, so if you have sensi eye area, that might be a reason to get an eye cream. But in terms of functionality, there's nothing wrong with bringing some of your standard skincare products to your eye area. Correct. 
And the other thing that people kind of ask about is getting milia around the eye area. So it's not a clear science. There's not a clear answer to this, but we'll definitely say that there is certain scenarios where too much active can lead to that buildup under skin. So if you are experiencing that with your eye creams or even you know using your anti-aging cream for your eye area, that's one thing you can take a look at. Um, but I again, we also want to emphasize hydrating that area is also a great move for mm-hmm. eye care. Um, so you know you. Um, we just did this series on slugging even slugging around the eye area is a great step as well so i have started doing that more often now because i i feel like recently with our work stuff you know everything that's going on during summer it's trade show season you're probably seeing an instagram story of all these different places that we're going to sometimes i wake up my man those are some bags. <laughs> so, I have found that because I am dry, yeah. having some, uh, I usually put a little bit of Bon Voyage, like mm. usually just in Trafarzo and recently I've been doing the eye area too. Yeah, great yeah. move. All right. Uh, next question she asks is, are hybrid SPF moisturizers legit? Fair question. Fair question. And yes and no, in a way. Um, when they test for any product, when they test for SPF value, it's based on weight. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what format it is. It can be a spray, lotion, even powder. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, it's uh, it's by weight. So what ends up happening is the SPF test that this moisturizer goes through is the same as your screen uh, as your SPF specialty product. But how much you use on your face might be different um, because you for moisturizers, people tend to use a thin layer. As, as long as you feel like you cover all the dry areas, you're good. But that might mean that you're under applying by a lot based on what's actually been tested. Yeah. And that's why you'll often see SPF moisturizers at a lower SPF mm-hmm. because they try to combat that texture heaviness that's added with sunscreen to your moisturizer so that you would be willing to apply more so um to sum up it does work so long as you are applying it like a sunscreen and not your regular moisturizer Mm -hmm. so slather that stuff on yeah yeah so victoria did a bunch of great tests on like the two finger rule usually it's like it's closer to four but um more is more here um some things to keep in mind too is when you're applying if it rubs in in like half a second, there's a solid chance that that's not enough. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, she wanted to ask about serums and mixing them with moisturizer. She's like, can you mix absolutely anything into a moisturizer? Um, and this question gave us a lot of hives because anything means a lot. Um, but we will say that, you know, Generally, things that don't quite work out with certain moisturizers are the really low pH serums. So mm-hmm. these are your vitamin Cs, sometimes even your exfoliants that are not pop- properly pH adjusted. Um, you'll notice that when you mix them into your moisturizers, you'll start to see a formula change. And that is definitely a clear sign this is not working out for either of them. We're talking about the curdling log. <laughs> we recently showcased a sunscreen that has curdled. Um, whatever it is, formulas are complex. Curdling is just no bueno in any situation. Yeah. Um, but as far as actives goes, um, we would say there aren't any hard rules, which probably isn't that insightful here. Um, we would say that, you know, um, 
the thing with if you ever are worried about this mixing fact you can always consider just layering one after another that's also a very simple way to manage all of that as well um but yeah hopefully that at least gives you a start so that's it thanks for your questions ava um that's it for this episode uh, you know where to find us victoria ah you can find us uh actually you can uh put all your questions down below on the comments you can email us at info at chemistconfessions.com you can also find us on our instagram at chemist.confessions as well as our tiktok chemist confessions which we are slowly building up now that we have ava yes all right awesome so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode stay tuned for the next one coming up uh which the topic who knows but if you have a burning desire to hear about a skincare science topic please let us know otherwise thanks guys